0: Morning, everybody. Um, I get to read Ruth chapter four with you. There's a bit of a, a genealogy, so pray for me. Um, we all like reading genealogies. Ruth chapter 4, uh, the whole chapter starting at verse 1. Meanwhile, Boaz went up to the town, to the town gate, and sat down there just as the guardian redeemer he had mentioned came along. Boaz said, Come over here, my friend, and sit down. So he went over and sat down. Boaz took ten of the elders of the town and said, sit here. And they did so. Then he said to the guardian redeemer, Naomi has come back from Moab, is selling the piece of land that belonged to our relative Elimelech. I thought I should bring the matter to your attention and suggest that you buy it in the presence of these seated here and in the presence of the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, do so. But if you will not tell me, so I will know, for no one has the right to do it except you, and I am next in line. I will redeem it, he said. Then Boaz said, on the day you buy the land from Naomi, you also acquire Ruth, the Moabite, the dead man's widow, in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property. At this, the guardian redeemer said, then I cannot redeem it because I might endanger my own estate. You redeem it yourself. I cannot do it. Now in earlier times in Israel, for the redemption and transfer of property to become final, one party took off his sandal and gave it to the other. This was the method of legalising transactions in Israel. So the guardian redeemer said to Boaz, buy it yourself, and he removed his sandal. Then Boaz announced to the elders and all the people, Today you are witnesses that I have bought from Naomi all the property of Elimelech, Killian and Marlon. I've also acquired Ruth, the Moabite, Marlon's widow, as my wife in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property so that his name will not disappear from among his family or from his hometown. Today you are witnesses. Then the elders and all the people at the gate said, we are witnesses. May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your home like Rachel and Leah, who together built up the family of Israel. May you have standing in Ephrephah and be famous in Bethlehem. Through the offspring the Lord gives you by this young woman, may your family be like that of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah. So Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife. When he made love to her, the Lord enabled her to conceive and she gave birth to a son. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. This then is the family line of Perez. Perez was the father of Hezron. Hezron, the father of Ram. Ram, the father of Amminadab. Amminadab, the father of Narshon, Narshon the father of Salmon. Salmon, the father of Boaz. Boaz, the father of Obed. Obed, the father of Jesse. And Jesse, the father of David.
1: Whoever was going to get this Bible reading today <coughs> got the names <laughs> and the genealogy. So well done, Mike. Um, excellent job working through those. As I said, today is the last last installment of this, this series of Ruth. And permit me, as I have done in the past, maybe more so because we are uh, we've skipped a week last week with with Father's Day to just take sixty seconds to put you in the picture just to remind us where we're up to in this story um, before we get to watch the last bit of this incredible movie. Uh, we've had the family uh, of Naomi, Elimelech, two sons, Malon, Kileon, uh, famine in Bethlehem. They flee the famine, they move to Moab. In Moab, tragedy strikes. Uh, we have two sons and a husband uh, who dies who died in, in, in Moab. Naomi is the character now that becomes the person who endures unspeakable suffering, loss, and grief. Her question at this stage, earlier in the story, is uh, Does God still love me? Is God still good to me? That carries on throughout the whole story. Uh, but we meet Ruth, her daughter in law, married to one of her sons who is a, a foreign, well, she's a Moabite. So a foreign native to Bethlehem who makes an extremely uh, insane is not the right word, but incredible commitment to say she's going to commit to the God of Israel and in that commitment to believe God, to cling to God, stick to Naomi throughout uh, this entire future of theirs, whatever that may involve. Uh, she comes to faith. They meet by God's providence by God making it happen, uh, not by luck, this man, Boaz, who starts looking after them and who is God's provision and love to them. Um, And then we read last time, we we, we preached on this this incredibly bizarre story where Ruth and Naomi put together a plan. They're bold. They take a risk. They approach Boaz. They say to Boaz, Boaz, um, under our Israelite customs and laws, you can change our entire situation by marrying Ruth okay and that story on the threshing floor ends with Boaz saying i will first thing in the morning redeem you i will set in motion the process that need to be set in motion for me to be able to marry you there was one minor obstacle that there was someone else who was next in line before Boaz to do so. Now I'll explain, I'll recap a bit how that worked in Israelite culture in just a sec for you, but this is where we're up to. The story picks up uh, today with that scene where Boaz now makes good on his promise and he's going to do what he told Ruth he would do. So... Can I... (laughs) Sorry, Simon. (laughs) There we are. Nope, there we are. We read this. Boaz went up to the town gate. He sat down there, just as the guardian redeemer he had mentioned came along. Boaz said, come over here, my friend. Sit down. So he went over and he sat down. The town gate. The town gate was the place in ancient towns where... Business was done. Uh, imagine uh, Town Square, maybe in Devonport even, where you kind of find uh, major offices of commerce, where you find the magistrates court. Uh, it's a bit like that. It's just the way it worked in those days. The town gate, for some reason, was where legal proceedings took place. It's where business was done. It's where, where the banks operated, if you like. Uh, and this is the place where Boas goes to straight away, where it seems he was just hoping that this other redeemer would just come by, and and he did, and so he he grabs him, and he says, look, sit here, I have some business that I need to do with you. Boaz says to the guardian redeemer, uh, Naomi, who has come back from Moab, is selling the piece of land that belonged to our relative, relative Elimelech, I thought I should bring the matter to your attention and suggest that you buy it in the presence of these seated here and in the presence of the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, do so. But if you won't, tell me now, for no one has the right to do it except you and I'm next in line. Just a quick recap. I said this two weeks ago. I'll do it again just so it makes sense. How it worked in Israel, uh, Israelite culture is if a tragedy strikes that, uh, similar to the one that struck Naomi, and a widow lost her sons and her husband, and in that culture is defenceless. What would happen, what was supposed to happen, is the next of kin, whoever was next in line, had to buy the property of the person, the male who died, and run that property or farm, I mean, this is agrarian culture, farm that land in order to support the widow. Okay, That was one of the things that was required of what they called a kinsman redeemer. This is what Boaz tells this guy who's next in line. He said, look, this is your chance. You need to buy this field. Uh, Do you want to do it or not? And he goes, yes, (laughs) I will. And at this stage, we're meant to see that he has in mind um, opportunity came knocking on his door. Uh, He probably looks at this, and I'm going to illustrate it, uh, in great financial terms, right? Um, Bit of monopoly money. He would say, look, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, I've got a thousand bucks. Here's an opportunity to buy a piece of property, maybe take 300 of my thousand dollars invested in this property. And know that over the next, well, however many years I'm alive, this this property and this investment will make a great return. I can farm this land. I can expand my thousand that I had to more. This is what he's thinking at this stage. And then Boaz gives him the next bit of the deal that comes with being a kinsman redeemer in Israel. On the day you buy the land from Naomi, you also acquire Ruth, the Moabite the dead man's widow, in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property. Part of the deal, if you were a kinsman redeemer, was that you would marry the wife of the deceased. In extreme circumstances, if the deceased did not have any sons, you would have sons in his place with his wife. Very weird to us, but it's how it worked. And the idea was that the land, which was precious, very much locked up with people's identity in those days, could then be passed on to any male heirs that you have had for the deceased in his place. So Boaz says, hey mate, this is the deal. You're going to have to do, this comes as part of the package. All of a sudden, we read that the guardian redeemer said, I can't do it because I might endanger my own estate. You redeem it, I cannot do it. Here's what we're meant to think. He looks at this. He's, he's a Jewish man, right? He's Good business sense. He says, well, what's going to happen now in light of this? I'm going to take my 300 bucks. I'm going to buy this piece of property. From there, every profit that I can generate from farming this piece of property will go into supporting Ruth and Naomi and any possible uh, offspring that may come from them. I'm basically not going to see the profits of this in the short term. I can't mine anything from it. Not only that, if I have a son, which I'm supposed to have with, um, with this woman, he's going to get the property. <laughs> My 300 bucks is, is gone. I may as well kiss it goodbye today if I buy this property. My thousand has gone from 1,000 to 700, and this is going to be diced up between me and my own offspring for their inheritance. Sorry, I can't do that. You know, I'm not really sure what we're meant to do at this point in our judgment of this character in the story. But, you know, at one level, he's doing a perfectly ordinary, realistic thing. He's a little bit like Orpa the other daughter-in-law on the road from Moab back to Bethlehem who decides to return. You know, it makes sense. Uh, Why would you do this? And I'm not so sure that the story wants us to crack down hard on him and say he's a bad man, he's a vile man. Uh, At worst, we can say he's an ordinary man who makes an ordinary decision. But here's the lesson. Here's the lesson that I think we as a church, and if you're a Christian today, need to get from this. Often, doing the extraordinary right thing by God comes at an incredible cost. It would have cost this Redeemer, in this case, a huge amount of money to do the right thing. To do the loving thing. To do the, 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 the chesed thing. We're going to talk a bit more about that later. To, to, to do the gracious thing, the God thing would have cost him a lot. Boaz knows this. The story sets Boaz up in contrast to this Redeemer and he says, look, I'm willing to pay the price. (laughs) It's going to cost me a lot of money. It's going to probably lead to a loss, but I'm willing to pay the price. Church, God puts us in situations like this sometimes. He's putting you in situations like this sometimes. Where sometimes... We need to make a decision that we know is right. It isn't going to work out financially for us in the long run. It is going to cost us. It is going to hurt us. But God wants us to do it. He wants us to be the Boaz to other people and pay the cost, pay the price that we sometimes have to. You can't do business like this forever. You can't do this all the time. Don't hear me saying that. But there are instances and times in our families, in our churches, across our world, where we need to listen very carefully to God. Like Boaz listened carefully and he was willing to pay the price. May we do that when God calls us to. (laughs) May we... Recognise the opportunity and may there be in us a willingness to say, yes, yes, I'll pay the price. In the currency of dollars, in the currency of cents, whatever it may be, may we say yes, we will. Now, I'm going to practically, as we get back and move on with the story, I'm going to skip over verses 7 to 12. Uh, You heard them as they were read. They essentially just give us a description of Boaz's commitment from here on to take the deal. He says, I will redeem. He talks to everyone in that. I get the feeling this was a bit of a a hustle and a bustle. I I think people, you know, in a small town where nothing really happens, this was a morning where, you know, passing traffic just stopped and they said, we've got to see this and I want you to picture that sort of crowd just building and building and building and in the end Boaz looks to the whole town and he says to them you are all witnesses that today I have taken this uh, this woman Ruth uh, to be my wife it's it's sort of almost wedding like and people express great words of blessing to them almost like a great toast at a wedding Uh, and it the deal gets sealed basically um right there at the town gate. What I really want us to get to, though, is verse 13 onwards, where we read this. Boaz took Ruth, she became his wife. When he made love to her, the Lord enabled her to conceive, and she gave birth to a son. The women said to Naomi, Praise be to God, who this day has not left you without a guardian redeemer. May he become famous throughout all Israel. He will renew your life, sustain you in your old age, for your daughter-in-law, who loves you, who is better to you than seven sons, has given him birth. Then Naomi, the woman of emptiness, took the child in her arms and cared for him. The women living there said, Naomi has a son. (laughs) We're meant to really grasp the the astounding turnout of events. This is the woman who said earlier in Ruth that God hates her. That God is not good to her. She never doubted God is all-powerful, but she doubted that God is good, right? And here, in the end, we, we find that her arms are full. The story all along has given us the evidence of God's faithfulness. The Hebrew word is Chesed, God's faithfulness to her all the way through. Through breaking the famine in Bethlehem, through giving her Ruth, this beautiful description that's worth seven sons. You know how valuable that is in, in Israelite culture to say that someone is worth seven sons to you. And the people say that of a foreigner. She is worth that much to you. God gave Naomi Ruth. He gave her Boaz and eventually this child. Is God good to Naomi in the end? Will you return to that question? Well, yes. God was incredibly good to Naomi. Even though she, no doubt, still at that stage carried the scars and the pain of her loved ones that were lost, and even though God's goodness was found in her life Totally different to the life she had imagined for herself, her answer would be, "Yes, God is good to me. I want to return to that again today, for you, if you are in Naomi's position. The story invites us, again today to be like we cling to the fact that God is good. The scars of what happened to you, the hurts of what was done to you may be there forever. But still, God is good. Still, your life, I think we can say today, will turn out good. God will redeem it. It may not be the life you thought you'd live. It may not be the life you wanted to live. But he can redeem it. (laughs) He can give it to you. And for you, in whatever your hurt is, in whatever way you are like Naomi, I pray that we will all, as your faith community around you in months and maybe years to come, stand around you and say, praise God who has not left you. Praise God who has redeemed your life and your situation, here and now, in this world, in this age. And now the story moves to a conclusion as the whole book of Ruth now moves to a conclusion. In some sense, everything we've said up to now uh, in Naomi's life had to do with what happens in this life, what happens here, now, the situation of Naomi's life, her immediate pain, her immediate needs, her immediate uh, redemption of the circumstances of her life. We're talking about your life, the immediate circumstances of your life, the needs you have, and how God wants to restore the circumstances in your life here and now. What happens now, towards the end of the book of Ruth, is it zooms out. And it starts taking this panoramic of all of life. I want to zoom out now with you, so please come with me as as we look at the last bit which is the genealogy. I don't know about you, but it seems like a very strange thing to have. Why have a genealogy at the end of a love story? It almost seems out of place, like it's there by mistake. Uh, But it's not. Here's why it's there. And if you're new to Christianity or new to church, please bear with me uh, as I zoom out and talk about the big picture of the whole Bible. One writer, David Webb, says this, By the end of the story of Ruth we've gone from the chaos of the judges period to the calm of Bethlehem. We've gone from the apparently unfixable problem of Israel's constant sin to the birth of a redeemer who will bring peace. Who can help but see here the work of a sovereign God who never gives up on his people in spite of their sin. And who cannot see here the great reassuring and shining truth that chaos is not all powerful, but God is. Just zooming out a little bit. In Ruth and Judges, we can see how God takes the chaos of the Judges and he brings in the calm and the peace of Ruth. Let's zoom out even further. Zoom right out with me, if you will, to the beginning of the Bible in Genesis where we read, the story starts, the earth was formless and void. There was chaos. And out of the chaos, God created something new. He created life, something beautiful, something full, whole and ordered. And then throughout, if you imagine this is a timeline of the whole Bible, Throughout the rest of that entire story, God is bringing order out of the moral and the spiritual chaos caused by human sin. All of it is the story of redemption where God takes the chaos and he makes something beautiful and then it ends right over here in the end of the Bible in Revelation where we read of a new heavens and a new earth, the perfect restoration of peace, of fullness, of joy of a place where there is no tears, no mourning, no crying, no death, no pain. All of Scripture is about God taking chaos and making something beautiful out of it, the whole narrative. And guess what the key to all this redeeming work is? It's a Redeemer who's born in Bethlehem. (laughs) From this child of roots comes King David, and from David comes King Jesus. Jesus who redeems things. Jesus who's here with us today, who is with you today in your chaos. The whole Old Testament looks forward to him. The New Testament announces his arrival and all that flows from him. And the books of Judges and Ruth are just one part of this incredible, incredibly great story of God's redemption why do I bother sharing this with you? Because how often does it feel to you that this world that we live in is in chaos? You know, John prayed for it this morning and it was beautiful, but... <laughs> chaos. Look at, look at our politics. Who cannot look at that and not feel sometimes that my world is in Chaos. I don't know what place we're giving our kids. Who who cannot look at, as we transition as a humanity from an industrial age to a digital age, look at the media, the way we make news. What's true? What do we believe? Who gets to decide what's true and what we should believe? It's chaos. Look at how we... Uh, as a people losing our complete faith in our institutions, whether it's, you know, people's trust is at an all-time low, trust in government, trust in banks, trust in Cricket Australia, trust in the church, trust in what have you, we don't trust it. We, we, we're, you know, we're in, in a social sense, seeing great chaos. And the book of Ruth reassures you and reassures me And make us able to reassure our children that God is in control. There's nothing in this world that is outside of His control. In this grand story of of His redemption of everything, this is in His hands. He's going to redeem it. And we need not fear. Church, this is the Redeeming God, who we worship, and that's what Ruth wants us to see. That's where I'll finish. Above all, if you want to take anything out of Ruth, and you can take lots and lots and lots and lots of things out of Ruth, but take this God is a redeemer, God is a restorer. God wants to restore you, He wants to restore your marriage, your relationship, your brokenness, your singleness your health state, if it's mental health that you wrestle with, God wants to restore you. Just like he restored Naomi, but more than that, God wants to restore our world, just like he restored Israel. God wants to restore everything. Until that day, when we inhabit that fully redeemed place. And so let's look forward to that. Let's live through the chaos, your personal chaos and our culture's chaos, knowing that we have a redeemer God who is restoring us. Cling to him. Be like Ruth, never give up on our redeeming God, who can and who is busy restoring everything. Please pray with me, pathway. Our God, we've um, journeyed through this book up to this point and we've seen much I just pray that as we leave it behind today that we'd leave it being like Ruth may we have a relentless uncompromising and unshaken faith in your ability to restore everything everything in our lives Father, may we not only look at ourselves, that may we look broader, and may we look bigger. May our faith be such in you that we know that our entire world will be restored through your Redeemer. Let it give us hope, let it give us courage, let it help us sometimes to get out of bed, let it help us to walk in the conversations we need to walk, in the decisions that we need to make about our lives let it encourage us, let this message of Ruth ignite our faith, empower us to do your works, and encourage us when we are down. In this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, music team. I'm going to invite you up. We're going to sing one more song, and uh, then we'll finish the service. Let's all stand as they come on up.